as you may have noticed, the Covert Narcissism podcast has a new look. Well, kind of a new sound. You know, it's better sound, a studio recording. I'm sitting in front of a mic and lights and, and a camera. And, and my producer came to me and, okay, yes, those words actually just came out of my mouth. I have a producer. What? I've never had a producer in my life. This is crazy. But he came to me and he said, hey, you should charge for a second episode each week, you know, to help cover these costs, like a, a bonus episode, a patron program. And I went, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not in my heart to charge for these episodes. I just, I can't. This is my mission. I want to scream it from the rooftops and spread the word about covert narcissism. So I told him, I said, look, we just, we got to find a different way. So you've probably noticed some small ads now in the podcast, and I really, truly want to keep this to a minimum. And if you feel like you need to skip over the ads, you know, that's okay. Just do. I've done that myself in podcasts that I listen to, but you know, my attitude about it's actually changing. And now I'm starting to listen to them because every little bit helps with these costs. And so I do want to support these podcasters I'm listening to. And that's just a small way that I can. But if you need to skip over them, do. It's okay. So instead of charging for a second episode, we're going to open up donations. So if you are finding value in this and you can contribute to our cause, please join us. And as you do, I want to reward you. I, I want to thank you for your, your commitment, for this monthly donation, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. It can be small. That's fine. Whatever you can do for whatever length of time, there's no obligation here. But I want to include you in this mission. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm working on a book and the title of the book is still in the works, but the title I'm liking right now is Grasping Covert Narcissism, subtitled Catching a Ghost. And if you can donate to our cause, I'm going to send you the first chapter of this book. I want you to read it. I want you to rip it apart and give me some feedback. To donate, just go to the top of the link at the show notes. It's nice and easy, and it's greatly appreciated. You all are a part of my journey, so please join me if you can. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. When you are coming to grips with the thought that you are in a long-term marriage with a covert narcissist, you go through stages of grief. In fact, just living with them already has you in these stages of grief and you don't even realize it. What are you grieving? You're grieving the death of who you thought this person was, of who you believed they were. The death of what you thought your life would be like with them. It's slipping away right from your own hand. The death of who you thought you are and of who you thought you would be with this person. It's kind of like the death of yourself. Like so many other victims, I lost me for years. And we may think that this grieving started, you know, starts when our eyes open to this reality. And there's certainly some truth to that. When the fog lifts and you truly finally see what you're dealing with, the stages of grief definitely apply. Once you see it, you can't unsee it and you will go through a lot of emotional turmoil. And these emotions, you know, they can be quite intense, but this isn't actually where the grieving process began. It began so many years before. It began when the abuse began. 
That's when this death process started. But we're not aware of it. I certainly had no idea at the time. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And thank you so much for joining me today. So just living with a covert narcissist certainly engages the stages of grief. And I want to explain this today to you. These stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Though some never get to that acceptance stage, I'm going to tell you this, even 40, 50 years into a marriage and they never actually get to the acceptance stage. So we're going to talk about that when we get to that piece. Exploring these stages of grief in the perspective of a relationship with a covert narcissist is definitely incredibly eye-opening. Now, I do want to say something here. These stages are not linear. They don't happen in any particular order. So just because I'm giving them in this order, don't think that you have to go through them in this order because that's not true. And in fact, they may intermingle with each other and frequently overlap. Several stages might be repeated and visited often. One might go from denial to anger and then right back to denial again. Or one might begin with bargaining and then go to anger and then depression and, and then finally landing back in denial. Or one might have denial as an underlying stage while going through bargaining, depression, and anger. So just know that there's no order to this. This is not a linear process. Now let's look at these stages really truly in relation to a relationship with a covert narcissist. The first stage I want to look at is denial. So I was married to a covert narcissistic husband for almost 21 years. How in the world did I stay in that environment for so long? It doesn't even make sense. I am an intelligent and self-caring person. I do have compassion for me. I do love myself in a healthy way. I was respected within my circle of friends and family. I had a strong sense of self. Yet I allowed this person to treat me with so much disdain and lack of empathy. And I made excuses for it. I've worked with people now from all around the world who they're intelligent people, doctors, lawyers, teachers, even therapists. I had someone come into my Zoom space and introduce herself as a licensed psychotherapist. She had been practicing for over 30 years. And here she was in a 25-year marriage with a covert narcissist and had no idea how she ever got there. So how in the world does this happen? These are emotionally healthy people, strong individuals, socially connected, genuine, and real. and yet. So many have been in 20, 30, 40, 50-year marriages with a covert narcissist. They are emotionally abused, psychologically beaten down, and completely exhausted. Made to feel less than, not good enough, and responsible for everything that goes wrong, even things that don't go wrong but could possibly be interpreted as wrong. A shell of a person that they once were. Hypervigilant doubting every thought that they have, and yet still convinced that they're the problem and not this wonderful person that they are married to. How? How is this possible? How did we all end up in these relationships and stay for so long? Denial. Denial is so incredibly powerful. Denial allows one to avoid the actual problem completely and for long periods of time. As long as I don't believe that there's a problem, 
then I don't have to face it. I can continue on in my life just the way things are. And I'm going to tell you, my own belief in the strength that I have inside of me keeps me in that denial, kept me in that denial for a long time. With a covert narcissist, there's often neutral ground, things that are just where things are just okay for sometimes a long period of time. Things are quiet, not good. I just kind of call it quiet, sustainable. And during this time, you're waiting for the next major disaster. So you're still on edge, hypervigilant and walking on eggshells, but it's a reprieve from the stormy environment. In this so-called calm, it's incredibly easy to deny or at least refuse to acknowledge that there is a problem at all. You refuse to entertain any thought that the marriage is less than perfect. Avoidance of any such thoughts is a must. So you stay distracted. You just keep busy. Well, that's easy to do. You're now living in a life where you're doing everything. You know, all the household chores, all the outdoor chores, all the everything, all the scheduling for your kids, all of this. Busy with life as a spouse, taking care of a home, kids, work, hobbies, mostly keeping the covert narcissist happy. That's going to keep you busy. So it's very easy to stay distracted. You just simply don't think about reality. I stayed so incredibly busy as a mom that I didn't think about the status of my marriage. Of course, things were fine. People would ask me, how are you? I'm fine. We looked great as you know, to the world outside. I was thrilled to be a mom and a wife. I didn't want to consider the thought that my marriage was in trouble. I certainly didn't want to entertain the thought that my husband was abusive. Nope. As long as I stayed busy doing these two things that I enjoyed so much, being a mom and being a wife, life was great. I was absolutely convinced that things were fine. You become totally numb to your own emotions during this time of denial, shutting them out, refusing to hold on to any of these negative emotions that might start to bubble up to the surface. This denial, this refusal to accept what is going on, it's incredibly common for victims of covert narcissistic abuse. In fact, when family or friends try to tell the victim what they are seeing, they're often met with strong resistance. The victim, the target, is simply not going to see the abuse until they are ready to see it, until they are ready to let go of the denial. They just won't see it yet. When you start griping at yourself for not seeing it sooner, I want you to be gracious with yourself. You just can't see it until you're ready to see it. It will not happen a moment sooner. So give yourself grace for not seeing it sooner. Anger is another stage of the grief. Over time, denial no longer works. When being slapped in the face every day by guilting, blaming, gaslighting, passive aggressiveness, at some point you begin to react to this. You just can't take it anymore. Anger sets in, and you might not even see it coming. Life with a covert narcissist is a lot like a frog gradually boiling in a pot of water. Turning up the temperature little by little, the frog does not realize it. It stays in the water and eventually will boil to death. Whereas if you put the frog directly into a pot of boiling water, that frog's just going to instantly jump out. Well, this anger builds little by little inside of you. You don't even see it coming. It is one bee sting at a time. 
And it might start showing up as, you know, some pessimism, some sarcasm, irritability. That's where it showed up in me. This happy and peaceful person that you believe you are just slowly disappears. Suddenly, you're more frustrated with your kids than you want to be. You find yourself being overly critical and impatient with them or with your spouse or even with yourself. Resentment creeps in. As you know that this is not the way you intended your life to go. And so, so this little resentment starts to kind of creep in. And you might not be able to put your finger on what's wrong yet. But your system clearly knows that something is wrong. This frustration, this resentment, it just starts to boil into this little silent rage inside of you. Feeling out of control on the inside, you just don't know who you are anymore. You realize you're certainly not the person that you think you are. In a very early podcast episode that I did, I referred to this as, as life with a covert narcissist is like being a grenade inside a tank. You've got this solid wall of denial around you, keeping you safe from reality. But like, and that's like the tank that can't be breached. But at the same time, on the inside, you're like a loaded grenade just ready to explode at any given moment. All somebody's got to do is pull that pin. Many victims of covert narcissistic abuse come to me asking if they are the narcissist themselves. This is so common. And at first it really surprised me, but it doesn't surprise me anymore. In fact, I almost expect it. Self-reflective people self-reflect. It's just that simple. And eventually you do see the anger in yourself. And so you recognize it's there and it's shocking to you that it's there. And so you start questioning, okay, am I the narcissist here? Like I said, self-reflective people self-reflect. But I want you to know anger is a very useful emotion. I used to be afraid of anger. I couldn't be angry. That would make me a bad person, you know, and, and I don't see myself as a bad person. So no, 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 I'm not angry. And I used to just, that was another stage of denial. This is one of the intermixed for me, intermingled for me. And, and I was afraid of anger in my boys. When I saw anger in them, I immediately tried to fix it. I would downplay the situation, whatever they were angry about, giving all sorts of excuses and reasons why they can't be angry. And instead, I should have been validating their anger. I should have been listening to their anger and helping them to listen to it too. Anger is a very useful emotion. It's your body's way of telling you, hey, something's wrong here. It's trying to get your attention and say, hey, this isn't right. It's often telling you that you need to take care of something. You need to fix something. You need to stand up for yourself or for someone that you care about. Anger is a motivating emotion. It's meant to kick you into action. So you do need to listen to it. Anger is a very normal response to a passive-aggressive covert abuse. Gaslighting, blaming, guilting, manipulating, deceiving, all of this. You are having a normal response to an abnormal situation. The story that you are living does not begin with your anger. It begins with the reasons why you are angry, which is the abuse that you are suffering. Bargaining is another stage of grief that I want to talk about. And bargaining clearly happens within uh, victims of the covert narcissistic abuse. If I just do this, then things will be okay. If I just try harder, if I smile more, if I just do what he or she says, if I keep the kids quieter, if I keep the house cleaner, on and on this list goes. You negotiate within yourself. 
I just need to be more perfect. Well, we bargain in the past, present, and future. We bargain in the present. If I just do this or that, then things will get better. The list that I just gave you. We bargain in the past, dwelling on the what if. What if I had just done this or that? If only I had said it this way, then things would have been okay. If only I had not done that, then this would not have happened. This, you know, bargaining, it's an overanalyzing of everything that we do and say, reworking all the conversations and arguments, searching desperately for that invisible magic answer that will fix all of this. We bargain in the future, anticipating conversations and reactions, playing out a hundred different ways to say something before a single word even comes out of your mouth, trying to be perfect, to avoid more issues, if I could just be better. And it sets in as perfectionism, trying to become perfect so that the problems go away. Bargaining leads to excessive overthinking, overworrying, overanalyzing. It builds large amounts of anxiety as we are working so hard to fix the situation, to stop this disastrous problem that is happening, even though that disastrous problem is not your fault and not within your ability to fix. When you cannot make things better, and any victim of covert narcissist will tell you that this is absolutely true, then sets in the self-judgment, guilt, shame, and self-blame. Depression is the last negative step of grief that I want to talk about. With all the effort that victims of covert narcissistic abuse pour into the relationship, the level of exhaustion that sets in is extreme and incredibly understandable. You find yourself completely overwhelmed by all the constant thinking, the hypervigilance of working so hard to keep this environment peaceful and the absolute failure to do so. Life just shouldn't be this hard. At this point, your energy level really drops. Your internal motivation just seems to disappear. You just don't care anymore. You lose interest in social activities, hobbies, family events, work, even life itself. You might find yourself sleeping more, unable to get out of bed, or maybe you can't sleep at all and you're just tired all the time. Loss of appetite, loss of self-care. The depression that accompanies this type of abuse is overwhelming and intense. You experience strong feelings of sadness and despair. Nothing ever seems to get better. When the small glimpses of improvement in the relationship do happen, the ones that used to give you hope, now they just bring deeper despair because you know they won't last. You know they aren't real. You just know that nothing's ever going to change. So you're wrapped up in helplessness and hopelessness, and there seems to be no way out. This depression is consuming. So now we come to the last stage of grief, the one positive stage of grief, acceptance. This is the turning point. It's such a huge turn towards healing. The other stages are necessary, and each one serves its purpose in this process. But acceptance, now we can open the door to healing. Radical acceptance of who your partner is and how they are treating you. It's painful, but it is so necessary. 
coming to grips with the fact that this, that this has nothing to do with you. This is who they are. Now takes the responsibility of fixing it off of your shoulders. It is so empowering once you can get past the shock of it. I will never forget the day when I dropped to my knees and I cried, God, I can't fix this. I'm a fixer. I always have been. I can fix anything. I can help anyone. I can always find the right words. I can always help people to understand. But after years of pouring my whole heart and soul, everything I had into this, I had gotten nowhere. I was empty and I was done. I had been living in these other stages of grief for years and I had no idea. Finally, though, I was forced to accept that this was beyond my ability. But this did not make me a failure. No one is able to fix this. It's beyond my responsibility as well. I quit participating in the charade of trying to fix all of this, to smooth it all over. I quit engaging in all the ups and downs that, was, that he was taking us through. He stayed on that roller coaster, but I got off. I started watching rather than writing, observing rather than participating. Instead of allowing my mind to become so absorbed with all the analyzing, anticipating, and arguing, I practiced mindfulness techniques to keep myself in the present, observing instead of reacting. Reacting happens when we are still expecting things to be different. But when you can truly accept that this is how things are right now, the reacting settles down. Now, I'm not saying that you have to accept that this is how it will always be. Absolutely not. And nor am I saying that you have to accept that this is somehow okay. It is not okay. But accepting your reality as it is right now breaks the trend of, of reacting to them and feeding their need for supply. That trend that just doesn't get you anywhere and keeps you in that boiling pot of water. Radical acceptance puts you back in charge of you your thoughts, your emotions, and your energy. You begin adapting, coping, and responding instead of reacting. Now you can start making decisions about your life, not with every thought centered around this covert narcissistic abuser in your world. It is such a vital step in taking control back of your life. Once you accept your reality, you can begin this journey of healing that allows you to make conscious changes to your life when you are ready, whatever that path is. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.